Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like leaving notes for your loved one. Sometimes great, sometimes cynical. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. Today on the show, I'm talking with my friend Tanya Fox uh, about bipolar two marketing and mental health superpowers. Tanya is like such a good friend of mine, one of my favorite people that I've met in the last year. And uh, every time I have a conversation with her, I have some of the best laughs that I've ever had and uh, get some of the greatest insights that I have. And um, she is really good at sort of talking me down when I get to too in my own head and has a lot of great practical advice to move forward because she's had to apply it to her life, which is really indicative of what I do on this show is like, I learn things and then I share it with you. And she's great at doing that for me. So, you know, we just kind of pass it along. So we're going to just kind of go in and do this thing. So I want to introduce you guys to Tanya Fox on Bipolar 2 Marketing and Mental Health Superpowers on Dopamine. Let's go. Drums, please. Hey everyone, welcome to the show, and I am very excited to bring a good friend of mine, someone that I just talk to to like work through stuff and she always leaves me with some some nugget of fantastic like mystical wonderful just practical all of the things amazing feedback (laughs) um my friend tanya fox welcome to the show Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, that's such a great introduction. <laughs> my mystical, practical side. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's just like the there's just like this 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 beautiful mix of it that I really appreciate about you, and just somehow I, I leave every conversation with you feeling like I have a new lease on life. So I'm excited to share you with the audience. <laughs> oh my god, that is the greatest compliment. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, no pressure, but. You think um, you yeah, you basically <laughs> trying to appeal to the like sunshine and rainbows and all that stuff. Um, glitter farts. Right. <laughs> so for those who don't, I promise you, it's going to be really pretty. Yeah, it's going to be colorful and sparkly and amazing. Um, so for those who don't know you, because there are plenty of people who listen from around the world that I've recently found out, which is awesome. Um, let it, let us know a little bit about who you are, what it is that you do, and uh, if any of that fits into the mental health conversation. Well, who I am? I'm I'm Tanya Fox. Um, I like to tell people I'm a third generation New Yorker, like that matters, but I am. <laughs> I am a marketing and business strategist. What I specialize in is taking what people already have, what makes them awesome, and then helping them direct that outward in terms of content, in terms of uh, services that they offer. Um, I help people make money by being for being awesome. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> and I am also diagnosed with bipolar two, which is you know the most fun thing that a solopreneur can have. Right. <laughs> Because what I really love about working from home is, you know, fighting the urge not to work. <laughs> right. It's the best. <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. 
I like that. That's probably why we get along so well, because I have cyclothymia. And there's just something about like that, that sort of hypomania energy that like is very uh, attracting to each other. And I've noticed that I get along with a lot of other people that have that sort of energy also. And we're just like, ah, wonderful pain. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what are you? I used to, I love it when I go to my family reunions and it's like, okay, what are you on now? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because the history of depression runs deep in my family. Right, exactly. I I didn't mean to cut you off if you have more to share. Oh, gosh. I think we've established at this point that, you know, I will always have more to share. (laughs) That's very true. Yes. Yes. We tend to go on and on and on. Um, I think it's important for the audience to know, though, the distinction between like bipolar one and bipolar two, for those who don't know. So bipolar one is basically you can get to mania, like full blown mania. And bipolar two is getting to major depression, but not getting to full blown mania. You get to hypomania, but not full blown major depression. Does that make sense? Is that is that accurate? to what your experience is? Um, Mine is, um, I have what's called dysthymia. So it's a low hum of depression all the time. Yep. And punctuated by blackness. Right. Okay. So I don't get that. Yeah, I don't get the hypermania. Mm -hmm. I don't get like, oh yeah, I'm going to go buy myself a car. Right. Um, I get, who the fuck are you to buy a car? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... um, yeah, which is like closer to the the major depressive disorder side of it, which is different from mine because I, I sort of bounce between dysthymia and hypomania. So I'm kind of in that middle zone, bouncing between the two pretty regularly and uh, cyclically. So it's it's a bit of a challenge actually. Recently, this week has been really a, a difficult challenge because I feel like I've been experiencing both at the same time, and I feel like a Tasmanian devil of explosive depression energy. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, <laughs> But uh, I don't know, what have you been, I mean, are you on uh, meds? Are you doing anything? Like, what are you doing to kind of help yourself through that stuff? Well, it took me a really long time to just be able to incorporate it into my life mm-hmm. because it's just a reality of my life at this point. Right. There may be something that, that'll make it all better later. But for this, for this point in my life and for the last 25 years, this has been what it is. So knowing that, and I've also given it a name. So... Mm-hmm. When something is so clearly not me, mm-hmm. I know that that's Phil. Phil right. is my depression. Right. And so separating that off allows me not to then beat myself up in my moments of clearness. Mm-hmm. But what happened when I wasn't? Right. So this is not a whole different personality. It's just me understanding the difference between when I'm in, you know, when I'm sick and when I'm not sick. Right. Um. And I, I like to actually equate this to um, to even for, for the people who need to understand the medication aspect of it, it's like having diabetes. Like just because I'm not having a crisis doesn't mean that I'm not still diabetic. Right. But you need to know that there may be a crisis and what to do in that event. For me, yeah. I, take, um, I take pharmaceuticals, but I also take um, supplements to manage the two. Mm -hmm. And I found that the supplements make the pharmaceuticals work a heck of a lot more. And quite frankly, the pharmaceuticals are just keeping it in check. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And certainly the the harm of stopping taking the pharmaceuticals um, is way, way outweighs the stigma of taking them. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like when we're dealing with this sort of stuff, it's it kind of becomes about taking hyper care of ourselves. Like we have to put extra focus and attention on eating and drinking regularly and then taking some right (laughs) bathing like you know taking time to like schedule same things sometimes like i've been uh recently it's come to light that i have also adhd so uh, to add to the cocktail of things to deal with but um you know for me it's been i've had to find ways to schedule things to not stifle me because I feel I get really upset if I get stifled by like specific strict schedules, but which is something actually you recommended is to like get into a scheduling phase. And it was actually through that exploration that I'm like, you know what? I think I have ADHD and then started going through all of that, that, um, that territory. And this has been years in the making. This is not just me coming up with this diagnosis out of nowhere, but, um, right. sort of final decision came through that moment where we had a conversation and you were saying like, hey, you should really get down to like the point where you're scheduling your day and, you know, figuring that out or having someone else do that for you. And I started doing that, but I started to feel incredibly stifled by it. And um, it was it was having detrimental effects. So what I learned from that is that I was not necessarily needing to schedule every moment of my day, but I needed to schedule moments to stop when I started something because if I got really excited about a project or about um, uh, uh, editing a video in Premiere or something that I needed to almost set a timer for myself as opposed to a specific start and end time. It, it, you know, like allow my free form nature of being an INTP of wanting to just like intuitively play with ideas and like really allow myself the room to get excited and go down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But know that if I start a rabbit hole, it has an end time to it. So it's, it's almost like a mix of like playing with that freedom and that specific uh, timetable to allow me to like to, to play in a healthy space of allowing my ADHD to roam free, but know like, Hey, you've got a limit and <laughs> you have right. to stop. You have to feed yourself. You have to take care of yourself. You have to bathe. You have to go handle other responsibilities. You have to look at what else is on your list and not just get stuck within the cycle of ADHD or mania or whatever is going on at the moment. So I think for, for all of us, it's, it's pretty important to, to consider that, yes, we need to take care of ourselves because, man, that's hard when, when we don't. Yeah. I mean, for me, the schedule that I showed you, the one that my sister had designed for me, mm-hmm. it allowed me also not to uh, work until midnight. Right. <laughs> so working from home means that you can work anytime you want to, but just because you have that freedom doesn't mean that you should all the time yeah. do that. So mm-hmm. getting out of the house, um, seeing other human beings, Um, smelling fresh air, things like that, you know, going to the store, just little things like that. I was, I had stopped doing for like a week at a time. I just wouldn't leave the house. I just work all the time. But what I found from this was I decided when I no longer wanted to do work for other people. Mm -hmm. So my day working for other people ends at 3.30. Right. And the way that my day is scheduled, I can borrow time from other things. So if in the morning I normally write my blog and in the morning I decide that I want to take a walk instead, I just move my blog to the end of the day. If I take a client instead of writing my blog, I move my blog to another point in the day instead of, you know, the client time, I move that over. 
So my day is very malleable, even though it looks very organized. Right. And then from 3.30 on, actually 3.30 is nap time. (laughs) 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 So so then I take a nap. And Uh um, from about 5.30, because I think I'm only going to sleep for 20 minutes and I never do. Right. um, From about 5.30 on, that's my time. And it's like, go outside, go smell some things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the trash guy just walked by. So yeah, that's going to be a smell. Uh, you know and especially I live in Canada now so our sunlight is pretty much over at about four yeah so it's really important that I'm able to get out and get some sunlight I'm Mm -hmm. a light person I'm the kind of person who if there's a ray of sunshine coming in I'll lay in it on the floor or something I get very Uh (laughs) cat-like so um so that was a really important thing for me and the idea that somehow I wasn't going to have time for my creativity ended mm-hmm. when I realized that I was going to have the rest of the day for it. Right. That, that's a really nice way to just like really take control of your time, not necessarily try to restrict yourself. Like you were like, like the, like you were saying the the schedule looks like it looks like something that's like scary and arresting, but you're allowing yourself to play within the freedom of that like but you're you're holding yourself accountable essentially but then you're giving yourself all of this time at the end of your day to know yourself and say i need to also be a person not just a client service person and i need to enjoy the things that i enjoy and for you that's sunshine and i think for a lot of people it needs to be sunshine for me it needs to be sunshine even though i don't always want it (laughs) but um you know just this morning i was I'm, i'm trying to another part of like the the ADHD mix and cyclothymic mix. And I think this is a, this is good, uh, really a good way to approach anyone, uh, anything, any, anything bipolar related is to try to get yourself into a healthy circadian rhythm. And that's what I've been struggling with is like, I've been sort of letting myself sleep in certain times or I'm letting myself go to sleep too late. Like you were saying, um, and not sticking to a certain rhythm of the way that I operate throughout the day and throughout my life and that's created this unorganized chaos that has let my brain get into this place of like we we have absolute freedom let's go crazy let's go buy sports cars and let's go do (laughs) mad things right and i feel like my brain gets away with itself but then there's this other side of it that is just like no stop and it just becomes this tug of tug of war within me um that's part of what i've gotten a hang of is that i i have zero literally zero discipline i will make time confetti (laughs) out of a minute so i can in my mind i can do 15 things in one minute so let me let me start them all Um, And so I needed something that said, you've got 15 things to do and here are the slots to do them in. There's only so many hours in a day, Tanya, despite the fact that you believe that you've got 96 hours in a day. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it creates a healthier relationship with time. Yeah, go ahead. My days are padded as well. So I wake up two hours before I start working so that I can do literally either nothing or all the things. Depends on how I wake up. (laughs) Sometimes I just want to read everything and sometimes I just want to lay in bed and think about how much Phil sucks. (laughs) Damn it, Phil. Phil! (laughs) I want to give mine a name. Like, I'm pretty sure mine is like Carol. Like, it's an angry baby. Oh my gosh, Carol is fabulous. Like, my, my, my grip stress, my, my, um, 
any kind of mental health issue feels like an old woman that will go to a department store and get mad at the manager. Like <laughs> that is, that is my, um, that is my Carol. My Carol oh my is gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> like, I feel like I get, so I'm normally not a very emotional person. Like I, I try to work emotion into a lot of the things I do. Obviously it's a mental health podcast. There's a lot of that stuff baked within what I talk about, but I'm pretty monotone and informational. But when I get into high grip stress of any kind, it is I just get like this whirlwind whiny emotional and every little thing is like way more vulnerable like I feel like a pulled muscle that is like if you flick it it's gonna like scream and I feel like it's like with Molly too like we'll have a discussion that would normally be like filtered in my head as like okay she's stressed out she's got like a little bit of a sharper tone or something like I understand that she's dealing with stuff and I can just filter it and it's fine um but when I'm in that grip stress, I'm like, yo, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> and I get really yeah. like, ah, and uh, like, let me speak to your manager. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I just get real upset. <laughs> I have like, a coupon. Right. <laughs> Give me my products. <laughs> Whatever. It expired yesterday. I couldn't get here. I worked hard for this. I know I ruined everything, but still <laughs> give it to me. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's what happens to me when I get in like such intense stress. I just become totally irrational and like I need what I actually need when I'm in those moments is to call my mom. <laughs> and yeah. my, my mom or my dad, actually, my dad is both of them are kind of feeler types in different ways. But my dad is um, an ESF or no ESFJ in the Myers-Briggs system for those who follow along when I talk about Myers-Briggs stuff. But he's like an extroverted feeler and he's just so good at being compassionate and nurturing. And him and I had issues when we were younger. And um, so I've had a little bit of trust issues asking him for help. But sometimes I'll call him and he'll be like, you know what? Just go stand in front of the mirror and just smile. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> such good advice. <laughs> uh, like I, I'm just so emotional where like any tinge of advice like that is just like, oh, that's perfect. Thank you, Dad. I love you, man. <laughs> so, I mean, I just try to lean on like other like feeler types in my life and I try to get that sort of support where I can because usually I can push myself through it or talk myself through it logically but when I'm overwhelmed with emotion like I have no idea what to do and I need other people for that That's, <clears throat> I feel everything and yeah. so I've gotten really good at not expressing it Mm -hmm. um, because when I was well, certainly when I was in the service industry you know you're not you, you don't get a bad day Mm -hmm. So I find out right before going to work that my mom's got cancer and I still have to have a party for you. You know, 9-11 right. uh, right. happens and I still have to have a party for you. Right. Um, and so I've gotten really good at putting them someplace else for the time being. Right. And the more stressful things get, the calmer I get, which is really bizarre. Hmm. I, I literally thrive in high stress situations right. because I know what to do. I'm right. in control. Um, it's when things are really quiet, when they're, you know, when nothing's going on, that's when Phil's like, oh, you've got a minute, have you? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Phil's a mom, creep. <laughs> Phil's a creep. Phil's a, I mean, 
I could tell you stories about Phil. Oh, okay. You know what? Actually, I will. So one day I was in the, Phil was hanging out a little bit longer than he should have. And I met a dude and I was hanging out with him. And for some reason, it seemed logical that postcoital, you know, conversation would be the difference between bipolar one and bipolar two. Right. Needless to say, I never saw that guy again, because that is not the kind of thing that somebody wants to talk to you about. Right. <laughs> hey, out. that was amazing. Was it good for you? Let me explain to you my mental illness. <laughs> right. <laughs> let me get, let me let all the cats out of the bag. As my mom says, don't let all the crazy out at once. <laughs> like, you don't understand, mom. If it, it, It's going to be a slow leak or it's going to be like a geyser. But either way, they're going to get hit with it. Right. And it's funny because like someone like me, I would be like super excited about that. I'd be like, oh, you're crazy too. This is awesome. But that doesn't help either. I don't think enough people acknowledge their own crazy. And I, I tend to really gravitate to people who are very clearly depressed. Like mm-hmm. they don't know it. They just think that, you know, they think they're sluggish. They think that they're underachievers. They think that, you know, a hundred thousand things that I thought before I realized that, oh no, I'm imbalanced. That's cool. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting to know. I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago, uh, Dr. Jennifer Barr. She's like a naturopathic doctor. It was a really good conversation. We talked about bipolar disorder and stuff too in that episode. And we sort of talked about the idea that that uh, bipolar patients or really anyone who's dealing with depression, um, uh, it almost seems like we're X-Men. Like we're just like this evolution of, or this, this expression of, human behavior to an extreme it's not like we're completely different than something that people experience we are just kind of like an accentuated version of that like people get to people just have like a different level of tolerance for certain things but you know people have a lack of discipline in certain areas and others have an extreme discipline in certain areas and because of uh, a mental illness they have a weaker discipline in certain areas or even a more intense need for control or something like that but these are all just like extreme of things that exist within human behavior as it is and I think like in a way and I think the power behind this podcast also is that that people see that there are these tendencies within someone who is quote-unquote seemingly normal and they're just like oh you know what maybe this is something that I should be aware of even if it's not to an extreme this is something that I can at least try to listen to in myself and see like, is this a problem? Is this what's causing me stress or difficulty? Or like someone could listen to this episode who has no idea about the, what the experience is like for bipolar disorder, but they could totally extract the like need for freedom within their schedule and be able to ascertain that and, and apply it to their life. Whereas we have to do that. And they can use it in a, in a way that's helpful to them. So there's there's a certain superpower and like an X Men type gene in there that that helps us to help the world. And I think that's awesome. I'm Storm. Woo! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, on that note, that I was dating a guy who, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use this as my personal Tinder or whatever. But <laughs> I was dating a guy who told me that I must be manic because he had seen me in my very low phase and then he'd seen me like this. Right. And I remember talking to my therapist about that and when I I would call them, you know, my manic upswings when I was clear, Mm -hmm. but I would call them my manic upswings and she was really, really careful with me. Right. She was like, I need you to be careful about calling it mania because this is just your personality. Right. You are an optimistic, giddy, boisterous person by nature. 
Mm-hmm. And the depression is the thing that, you know, the down is the part of you that's not a part of your actual, you know, your, your nature. This is not a part of your personality. Right. And so she really broke me of the habit of calling it an upswing. And the other thing that she said, and, and I would actually like for you to explore this and anybody else who sort of has this feeling mm-hmm. that maybe there might be a bit of mania is creatives get super excited and super inspired mm-hmm. by new ideas. Yep. And so, and for depressives, that moment of clarity is so fleeting. We have no idea whether it's going to be a day, a month, you know, how much, how much time do I have to be this clear? So we want to get all of these things done Mm -hmm. in this amount of time, because we know that when Phil comes back, I'm not doing shit. Right. Right. So, so I, I would, I would invite people who have a, a feeling that their clear moments are not are, are anything other than their clarity moments. I mean, other than their creative moments, mm-hmm. and to embrace the creativity that happens in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a, you know, to kind of bring it all into that space. It's like it's kind of the reason why I've started doing my brand blaster course to help people through personality to brand and all of that stuff. But then I also have this podcast, and then. I, it, it kind of makes sense that you also do that in terms of personality outward, because I, I think we get caught up in our personality being broken or feeling like our personality is broken in relation to the perception of like you know, the casual perception of mental health or something like that. Right. Just because you have high energy and you're an extrovert doesn't mean you're manic. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you're saying, and just because I'm an, I am a natural introvert and I have moments of excitedness doesn't mean I'm manic in that way either. It's taken a lot of um, time for me to differentiate the two and realizing that like mania for me is about the decisions that I'm making, poor decision making, um, the desire for recklessness. And, um, you know, I've had moments in my life where I was so reckless and I would get drunk and I would like walk in front of a bus and a friend would have to pull me back like that sort of stuff. Um, so it is important to talk to a therapist to, to help differentiate that. Cause like you were saying, like that seems like it was a really pivotal moment for you to, for, to be able to differentiate. Like I, this is me being an ENFP, me being like excited and boisterous and like having a good time is like, that is who I am. And that doesn't make me feel broken. So it helps you develop as an individual, but then also to address what the real problem is and be able to go forth from there. I think that's also why I talk about Myers-Briggs stuff. Like I want people to see the difference. And that's the reason I started exploring the Myers-Briggs stuff so that I can really extract like, okay, what is me? versus what is my mental health and how can I address those two things on separate tracks? Right. And, you know, one of the things that I find ever comforting, regardless of the diagnosis, is knowing that there is something textbook that I can go, that is so me. Finding Uh out that you're not alone and that you are, in fact, a textbook example of something. (laughs) That's the only time I'm excited to just be normal (laughs) is when I'm normally abnormal. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. Like you need a point of control to like learn where to go. Like we can't just, if we go through life um, 
expecting every aspect of our personality to be super unique, then we're just going to, there's going to be plenty of times where we feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to understand us. We're not going to know where to go. And having those moments of clarity, like you said, where it's just like, you know what? I fit into a box in some ways. And there's been stuff that's been studied about this. And I can now apply that to the context of my life and figure out where to go from here. Like, that's amazing to be able to know that and to, like, I probably spent a good first 25 to 26 years of my life not really understanding that depression happened to other people. And that's a long time. <laughs> and uh, there was an episode that I heard on a podcast where, like, uh, one of the guests was just like, I've never experienced depression. I don't know what that's like. And like in my head, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I thought this was just a thing that happens to people. And, um, uh, you know, that was like the beginning of the train that essentially has led to this moment. <laughs> that's interesting. Cause I mean, I think one of the things that also has really helped is the ability to separate off situational depression from the disease. Right. So if something happens to me and I'm depressed about that thing, that's mm-hmm. different than Phil showing up. Right. And so I would I would challenge that guy. I really would. You've never yeah. had a moment where you just thought, fuck all this. Right. Really? Yeah, that's that's a good point too. Um and I, I think it, I think for me it was in reference to like dysthymia versus like like you're saying, like the 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 context specific depression that might occur if somebody like lost a loved one or uh lost a job or going through some sort of deep sadness. And um that's I, I would also encourage that, like you're saying, and kind of like what we're talking about with like the sort of like X-Men quote unquote perspective of like, there's something within all of us that is, again, like the, these mental illness things are like accentuations of human behavior. Like this is not like a third leg that I have. This is like, I happen to be consistently, you know, I happen to be consistently, uh, uh, without dopamine <laughs> and I need to find ways to to fix those levels it's not like I have the you know something extra in my brain it's just the way that my brain is operating is different and um you know to look at it that way and for for quote-unquote normal people to examine themselves in a way that um could potentially like I always tell people like even if you're not dealing with something you should go to a therapist like talk about your problems like share it with people even if you don't have a diagnosis of something and you can afford to have a a therapist sometimes you know there is a ton of human neuroses going on within everyone's lives all the time and that's when I get in stress too is when I see that there are people who are quote-unquote normal that are thinking of themselves as normal but they are constantly being held back by the things that people say or they're constantly held back by the fact that their mom doesn't support them in a certain way or they're like there's just all these little neuroses that are that are things that can be addressed in people i just don't think that the term normal is actually a thing and we use that as a catch-all term and i think anyone who can who even applies the thought that they are normal to themselves should just go talk to a therapist it's not about finding something wrong it's just making sure that it's like going for a checkup just like 
you know, I just want to see them good. Is there anything like eking in here? Is there something that I can, you know, that's why people are like, that's why coaching is so freaking popular these days because we, you know, people are hopefully checking in with each other, but it's also a cash grab. But, that's exactly, I didn't want to be cynical, but. No, it's also a cash grab. It absolutely is a cash grab, but it's, it's in relation to a lot of things missing in our childhoods, typically, like in terms of development, in terms of, um, you know, the reason that coaching is actually working for some people, or at least is attractive to some people is that there are just things that are missing in people's lives and we need help with that stuff. And I don't mean just marketing, but I mean like life coaches and like, you know, but I think a therapist is like the ultimate life coach in my opinion. Well, yeah, I would, I would wager that they are, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which it's really funny because I, I created a program called the missing piece. I don't know mm-hmm. if I mentioned this to you. Not to me. Nope. But this is exactly what it's based on is this idea that somehow, and I know where it comes from, it comes from marketing, obviously, but, and it comes from our adulthood. From, from adulthood, we're constantly being told that we're in competition with other people mm-hmm. for everything, personal, professional, we're always in competition. We are never going to be fast enough, smart enough, good enough, good looking enough. We're never going to be so, you know, but you should still strive for that impossible thing. Mm-hmm. And what I found with my clients is that they actually come to the table with an incredible amount of expertise. If it's not um, uh, business-wise, then it's personal. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom could teach people a thousand lessons about being a single parent, not a single, not an unmarried parent, but the only parent. Right. You know, that's aside from the fact of, that she, you know, worked for the government. She would rather never do that stuff. But so what I do with people is I take what they've already got and show them how to then match that to people who need it and then make a service out of it. Mm -hmm. And what people are being taught is the exact opposite. Here's a service and now I'm going to teach you how to fill it because you don't have enough yet. Right. You are not enough yet. Your experience doesn't count. And it's like having a bad employer over and over and over again. Right. You know, like somehow we're supposed to have these people are the people who are going to give us the degrees that are going to give us, you know, the jobs that we need, as opposed to what we had in the old days, which was your experience gets you the job. Right. That's a, that's such a clear, awesome way to look at it. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's a good transition uh, as we start to wrap up to like tell people a little bit about where they can pick up that stuff and where they can learn more about you as a fantastic person. (laughs) Well, me as a fantastic person, I'll give you my mom's number. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Number one fan. Um, But as a business person, I am at TanyaFox.com. It's Tanya spelled correctly. T-A-N-I-A Fox. (laughs) Like the animal, not like the comedian. Uh Um, and over there, you'll find my musings. You'll find I, I do uh, daily videos on my Facebook, which you can always come and love me there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the coaching, yeah, that's right, coaching, and mm-hmm. uh, and and coursework, it's at tanyafox.com. And my pleasure, not, not my job, my pleasure is helping people go from here's what I've got to here's who needs it. 
and she's spectacular at it. So like, I, I love watching your videos whenever I get a chance to, and uh, I believe in what you do, which is why you're on this show. Uh, I don't just talk to anyone. I'm a recluse. And... Collaboration Society. I like when we come into session. I, I yeah. really respect you, ma'am. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, this is this is good. We're going to keep doing this. Um, so, you know, I'm sure we'll have you back on the show in the future. But thank you for being so candid about everything and um, just shooting the shit with me. This is always a lot of fun. I love it. I do, too. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. And for you guys listening, if you could hit the uh, those stars on the iTunes thingy, the bobber and uh, leave yourself a rating and review for us because you love us and you would not want to let us down, right? I where you live. <laughs> we'll send Tanya's mom after you. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's it. So leave some love. Thank you guys for listening to the show. We'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See you, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.